Before we get started, I want to say thank you to General Motors for sponsoring this episode of More Than That. Check out how General Motors is funding the future and inspiring innovation at GM.com. With all revolutions, enough people got to wake up and then decide what they want for you imagine the future that you want and then you go for it. I'm the type of person that if you told me if I do these 20 steps, then I should be at this point in my life. But life isn't like that. I motivate myself. (laughs) And it's because I have to. Even if there are things in life that, you know, might inspire me, I still have to be that person to to utilize it as motivation. Anybody can start a business, and a lot of people do. But what does it really take to be a successful entrepreneur, and how do you sustain and maintain that passion? Today on More Than That, I'm talking to two brilliant entrepreneurs, David Gross and Angela Simmons, about the grit, tenacity, and audaciousness it took to bring their ideas into existence. Angela Simmons describes herself as a woman of God, mom, creator, and philanthropist. When she was 17, she and her sister founded Pastry, the footwear brand that went on to have worldwide success, generating over $75 million in sales. I'm honored to have you on. So many of us have known and follow you for so long since Run's House and all of the things that we got to know you on. I had Pastry. (laughs) I loved that you always... You were putting business on for Black girls. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, even if there have been many companies that you've done, the, that first business, I remember being like, wow, she's close to my age. I could do this too. Pastry definitely was one that, wow, at 17, who would have thought I would have, you know, my sister and I would have came up with this idea and it just would have been worldwide the way it is. It just gave me so much experience. Like I learned so much along the way and early, you know, like imagine you're 17, you're maturing, a lot's going on, but I'm learning and I'm still growing and I'm like, I love it. You've had so many businesses, but before pastry took off, did you have any businesses when you were younger? Like, did you have any businesses before that? Of course. So like we grew up in a family of hustle. So I was just thinking about that the other day, like my brother, my sister and I would like draw paintings in the house and sell them. Like every time we had like Thanksgiving and stuff, I mean, we were some to our family. But still. Dollar, five dollars. And we were like taxing folks for our art in the house. And so, yeah, definitely uh, not lemonade girl, but fashion <laughs> art girl. Yes. <laughs> and you came up in a family that was actually like one of the first, you know, hip hop mogul families, if not the first. So tell me mm-hmm. about what it was like growing up within a family that was literally shaping culture as we know it? And how do you continue that that legacy? Man, I mean, there was always constant lessons, you know. There was no limits as to what we could do growing up. And I totally respect my parents for that because it opened up my mind so much. Mm. Because I wanted to be a fashion designer. They found the school. My dad supported that. And I was in high school and I graduated from a fashion high school. Mm. Because... My uncle, I would go into that office in New York and just be in awe, right? I saw the true grind, you know what I mean? I saw what it was like to go into these fashion meetings. You know, you planning seasons ahead and I was seeing it. You know, I was living it as it was happening and I was just like, okay, okay. You know, I was digesting hard work, but then also looking at how nice it looks on the outside Mm. because I got to see it firsthand. It's not perfect, right? But it may look perfect to the outer world, but behind the scenes is commotion, right? Because there's so much going on and so many moving parts. 
So when I started doing my own stuff, I kind of knew, okay, this can go wrong, but it's how you handle it. I feel like, you know, being at peace and having that ease is going to always help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. You handle things frantically, you're going to make more mistakes. So I'm like, cool. When it came time for me to do fashion shows, I knew how to do them with mm-hmm. ease and without being overstressed and being able to be present and be creative because your mind's going to be the most important part. How do you recommend building a network for folks who, you know, might not know where to start? Well, I feel like here's the thing. Once you're in your industry or whatever it is, you're going to always find other individuals that you can lean on. There are so many like social platforms now that you can tap in. So that's where you really can start. It's it's like it's almost like we have an upper hand now. Mm. You know, back when even we started pastry, social media wasn't what it was. Mm. So I feel like it's easier to find that, but the real work is going to be in getting up and doing it all the time, you know, constantly expanding your mind. And even if you find one person at first, that person's going to know five people. So it's really like that effect that like you start here and it just, it keeps growing, but you've got to believe in your project, whatever it is, because no one's going to do that homework for you. You know, no one's going to come in and believe in your project more than you are. That's right. You know, like if you don't water it, nobody's going to water it. You know, I've had projects, passion projects where I feel like, the minute I stop putting my energy in it, no one else is going to do it. Because why would anyone else who's working with you have more passion for your project than you? You know, I feel like that's that's going to be key. Everyone can feel intimidated by certain opportunities. And at some point, you do have to show up and turn on the belief in what you know. So how do you navigate opportunities that you may be intimidated by? I would say you've got to build that confidence. And that's not overnight. You know what I mean? I think... Again, that goes back to a lot of mental preparation and work, a lot of meditation, a lot of like believing in yourself. You know, like you've got to look yourself in the mirror and believe in what you're doing. So that when you walk in front of someone else, there's, they can't sway you left or right. Even if you got the applause and you got the negativity because you already believed in yourself before you walked in that room. If it's a meeting, you've got to stay on that positive side. Mm-hmm. You know, I've even learned so much just like, watching how people are like you know what I mean like they want to lift you up they want to drop you you can't live for that the minute you live for that you're killing yourself with each other everything becomes possible General Motors is on a mission to accelerate communities people and your new ideas from using digital tools that ignite learning to providing programs that inspire the next generation of inventors with the right resources black excellence knows no bounds We aim high and land in the stars, creating technology that changes the world and leads us to the next evolution, more safely, more equitably. Learn more about how General Motors is driving the world forward to an all-electric future at GM.com. Everybody in. Next, I have David Gross with me, who was Nipsey Hussle's longtime business partner. They're two men with a plan to keep Crenshaw in the hands of the people. And unfortunately, after Nipsey passed, we all felt that. But David launched Own Our Own, a real estate private equity firm that seeks to shape the future of our neighborhoods through investment. Okay, so let's get into this. How would you describe who David Gross is? How would you describe yourself at this point in your life? That's a super loaded question. It (laughs) is. It's tough. (laughs) I think um, the past two years, we got the world's attention. I think there's willingness and intention, like never before, for people to be constructive and solution-oriented in Black communities. So I'm head down 
laser focused for the next decade, trying to figure it all out. Tell me about your upbringing. Where were you raised? Where did you go to school initially? Like, tell me about Little David. Yeah, so Little David is from uh, South Central Los Angeles. I lived kind of all over. I grew up all over South Central. A lot of it was lost on me. When I was younger, all of it wasn't. But it was the height of the war on drugs, the height of the gang epidemic, or felt like the height of it when I was a kid. And a lot of my family, either drug dealers or drug users, every one of the men in my family in a gang or gang affiliated. I don't share it because I, I don't, it's not to try to poverty pimp, but that just was everyone's story. And that was my story. And that's why I got sent away from South Central because my older brother is three years older than me. But that three-year gap between 10 and 13 was enough for him to already kind of be out there. And so I think we got sent away to protect where he already was and then to protect where I could have been headed. It was a rough first couple of years, but I got settled in and it was uh, the first big difference maker Mm -hmm. in my life. It wasn't until I got to Texas that I realized, and anyone realized I was good at school. And this is something Mm -hmm. I think about all the time. So the direct connection I make in my head is, well, shit, I wonder if my brother was a really good student and if he was really smart, if given the opportunity. There's not one kid born in a rough neighborhood in Watts or Inglewood or any city across this country where they were born is a function of decisions they made mm-hmm. or how hard they worked or didn't work. You know what I mean? It's a birth lottery. So you, you start off with a certain amount of opportunity in life. And yet we all have agency. We all have free will. And we can all alter the path of our lives based on decisions and hard work and grind. But people are set on different paths in life based on where they start. And that sounds bleak or depressing, but it's just... True. I think people, people feed themselves narratives to feel good. Like, no, everyone can be anything. Mm. That is true. But it's a lot more likely that a kid born in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley to an affluent family is going to be a venture capitalist than a kid born on 51st in Vermont, where I was born. It's just a fact that those two truths can exist, that you can be anything, but it's harder if. And so I think for Black people, for Brown people, for poor people, as many people as possible who have been fortunate enough to be exposed to you know, good opportunities in life or to make a way, going back and providing exposure, access, um, showing what's possible to as many people from your communities as possible, I feel like that's an obligation. Let's get to the the part where Nipsey comes into your story. We actually met by chance at a Laker game. We sat next to each other courtside at a Laker game and we just started talking. By the end of it, we talked about investing in tech, real estate, importance of entrepreneurship and and ownership for Black people and Black communities. That's literally how we met for the first time. But the first business that we invested in, started together, Vector90, I've been contemplating that or working on the business plan with him in mind for about six months before I actually ran into him. At the core of it, it was a co-working space in the heart of the Crenshaw District. But we embedded a lot more into the business model to fully be supportive of the community and the people that use the space. You know, an intellectual hub, a social hub, a cultural hub for entrepreneurs, small business owners, Black creatives in uh, L.A. And it just happened to be based in the Crenshaw District. When we launched it, it was radical. It was new and, and nothing like it existed in L.A. or the Crenshaw District and probably not any neighborhood like it anywhere. Our concept could work in anything. High level, the concept is 
partnering up with people who are like-minded, aligned, that you trust and you, you kind of rock with, and then doing the thing that we say people don't do, which is investing in Black communities, investing in Black businesses, and doing it in a way that's not extractive. So you guys literally built the space that you knew was needed in order for people to have that access, that information, that knowledge to become different than what the environment might inform them to be. Our plan was to partner with the person who's most like NIP in every city. Someone who is authentic, grounded, um, rooted in community, trusted by the community. Someone we felt comfortable doing business with. And that would have been culture shifting. It's messed up that it got most of its visibility after NIP passed. Mm. The partnership is so important. Collaboration, collaborating with your the people who work with you, for you, getting clientele. What does it take to create and maintain successful partnerships in your experience? So I found that you can partner with anyone when things are going good. But for most partnerships, when things get tough or things go bad, is your reaction like to allocate blame and point fingers? Or is it to be like, well, shit, we got to figure it out. And I've been through it enough that I pretty quickly try to distance myself from people who are, um, they're just not good in the trenches. You know what I mean? Like if someone's not good when, when you're in the trenches, when the chips are low, they shouldn't be able to, to toast up with you when things are good. What do you think are the key characteristics of a great entrepreneur and how do they develop them and keep honing in on that? You have to have grit and tenacity. I think whatever you're doing, if you go into it with the mind state that you can spend the next 10 years doing something, then you're probably ready. There are a bunch of people who wake up and work 10, 12 hours a day, and they're not millionaires, multimillionaires. Most of them never will be, but they love that they're autonomous, they're independent, they employ and feed other people, and they, they savor that responsibility. You have to want that. The money alone is not a sufficient enough motivator to keep you going if you're just not ready for that. And, you know, resources, so many people are talking about how Black-owned businesses and business owners cannot get funding or access to capital. That's, a, that's true. With me, it's going to be, is this a scam? Is this this? Is this that? And then I might get to the point where they, they think about the opportunity. When you're a Black entrepreneur or investor and you go pitch someone and idea or pitch someone investing in you, it's a very different dynamic than when a non-Black person does it. Because when I started, and it still happens to me today, and I've put in time, you know what I mean? And, and now I'm, I'm visible enough. So I think pretty much people know if I'm coming to them, it's a real, it's, it's serious. It might not be for them, but it's a serious opportunity. But it was a lot of years before I got to this point. And I think that's not the threshold or standard for most other entrepreneurs. I'll go back to what I just said a while ago about grit, tenacity, determination, and it's still going to be hard. So you actually do need more of each of those, that each attribute that every entrepreneur has to have, a Black entrepreneur has to have a little bit more of it, and your, your likelihood of success is a little bit less. And I think people don't say that second part. People like to say, like, oh, no, if you just, you just go harder. So every entrepreneur has to face the very real possibility that they will fail and fail multiple times. I tell black entrepreneurs, if the average entrepreneur has to fail four times, five times before they find a success, I'm like, contemplate failing eight or nine times. And if you can still commit to this path and you believe that much in yourself and your vision, then keep going. 
Next thing I'll say, which is more constructive and more positive, the one thing that I found across life is doesn't matter if they think you're successful or you're going to be successful. If you reach out to people and ask for information or guidance or help, you'll get that. So that's one thing I'll say to every Black entrepreneur out there. There are more people willing to take a meeting with you, have coffee with you, and now hop on a Zoom with you than you can imagine. And probably some of the more successful people in any industry that you're thinking about. And um, I was self-limiting when I was younger, even after I went to a good school. And I think it's just baggage from, you know, where I grew up, how I grew up. I was very closed off and and trying not to expose my ignorance to the world. About, and, that, and in the purest sense, like just not knowing certain things, things that I knew I didn't know, afraid to ask and show you're ignorant. And then if you don't ask questions about the things that you know you don't know, you're never going to find out about the things that you don't know that you don't know, which are the real killers in life. And then again, I think the world has just changed so much where we didn't know what we didn't know. Like, I didn't know exactly what a businessman was when I was a kid. I think it would be different now if I was a kid, because like I said, I would have a phone, I would have social media, I would have all these things where people are trying to sell you information and show you information. All right, David. So, you know, the last question I have to ask, in honor of the late, great Nipsey Hussle, who means so much to all of us always, you know, the term victory lap means so many things to so many people. But in your mind and from the context of knowing him, like what is the definition of a victory lap and how can we all ensure that we're achieving it in our businesses, in our lives, and maybe what we want to accomplish? So I always tell everyone that Nip created the um, the dopest brand in hip hop and in music because um, he created a brand that was applicable to everybody in your own personal life. And then it was with intention that your marathon is yours. And so if you, your marathon could be, you know, you're the first person in your family to go to school and you're and so getting your degree is your marathon. And when you graduate, that's your victory lap. It could be you're starting a business and you scrapped and scraped and saved with the money to open it. And then you get to your first year of profitability. Hmm. So it's, if people want to embrace the concept to the fullest, it's to understand that, that everyone's running their own marathon. You have to define it for your life. You can compare to other people, but if you really internalize it, it's about you and your situation and what you're going through. And so your victory lap is going to be specific to your situation. But that doesn't limit your growth because your race keeps changing. Your nip has a line. He's like, I ran a few marathons to get it cracking. So he had a few marathons, a few different victory laps. And so your your marathon is specific to you and um, your victory lap is specific to you. And you're going to have multiple victory laps over a... um, over a lifetime. That's right. But the marathon is real. You got to keep running your race. I learned so much by being able to host this show. And today's episode was no different. You have to fail to learn. And if you don't take those risks, you'll never get anywhere. Good luck to everyone on their marathons as they go about their own versions of success. Next time on More Than That, we'll go deep about how to access mentorship to grow your dreams. Because one thing I know for sure is that we all need mentorship, no matter how successful we are. Don't forget to hit subscribe, give us a good rating, and follow us at More Than That Show on all platforms. Once again, thank you to General Motors for sponsoring this episode of More Than That. Learn more about their continued efforts to fund the future and inspire innovation at GM.com.